these are the times that I am discouraged about my job as a representative and also just what happens here at the Capitol. We sat in a committee all day discussing whether or not somebody that buys little children, these are two, three, four, five-year-old kids, they buy them for sex, that we tried to get a bill through, Representative Bradley sent one through, that was going to put these buyers in jail. Right now, most of the time, they get off on probation, almost all the time. They get off on probation after buying a child and raping a little child. And we tried to say, well, they need to at least serve a minimum of four years. And then we sat and listened to the Democrats fight against this bill, fight against putting these people in jail, and came up with all kinds of reasons, including that these buyers are victims themselves. This is very discouraging, and it's also very disgusting for me that they would actually defend this. And then they voted completely along party lines. The Democrats voted 100% that they did not want to put these pedophiles in jail. They defended the pedophiles. This is why it's so difficult sometimes to do what we do around here. We know we're on the side of right. We know we're on the side of morality. And we get shot down by, I do not understand the thought process behind this, but we do get shot down. This is why I would encourage you to do a few things to help us with this. First, if you believe in prayer at all, please pray. We are fighting truly dark forces here. This is not okay. This is evil stuff that we're dealing with. And if you have the ability to come up and testify on, on bills or anything like this, please do so. Your voice is very important to what we're trying to accomplish around here. We are the minority, but with you, we become a powerful force. Hello and welcome to the Colorado Show, uh, episode two. We've, we, we made it one week. Todd, uh, how are you doing today, Todd? I'm, I'm splendid because we survived the first week. So, so. Yeah. It's, yeah. I'll claim a victory when I get one, right? Yeah, my, my keyboard did not survive <laughs> the first week, but uh, yeah, we, we did. And um, today we're going to be talking about this, uh, this bill, HB 24 the minimum yeah. sentence crimes against prostituted children bill that died in committee last week. And um, there was a movie that just came out called The War on Children. It is uh, put out by... Landon and Robbie Starbuck, and it's excellent. I, I watched it this morning. We've got a couple kip, clips to play from it, and I have their permission to share the clips um, because Colorado weighs prominently in this film, in our legislature, in the um, social, social emotional learning constructs, and the restorative justice constructs that really do seek to upend our society. And it's just communism. I mean, it, it, it really is just uh, it's cultural Marxism at play and they're trying to bring in totalitarianism. But um, that's, uh, you know, Colorado, once again, known across the nation for something absolutely horrible. We really are the test kitchen or or I would I would I guess I would broaden that to say we're we're one of a few test kitchens, I think, yeah. uh, just kind of preparing the way to roll this out, you know, nationwide. Yeah, and a uh, hat tip to Holly at Altitude, hollyataltitude.com for the term Colorado is the election fraud test kitchen, which she yeah. came to after looking at the network of NGOs and election vendors and government you know, entities, elected officials, bureaucrats, um, pseudo-governmental entities like the you know third-party associations that actually all of the skill set and knowledge seems to be outsourced to in the state of Colorado. Uh, but what what we, I think, have uncovered over the past couple of years is that it's much more than elections. The 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 test kitchen is really the communism test kitchen mm -hmm. for the nation. How much, how far that can they push? How much can they get away with? And uh, this is, um, there's some pretty, some pretty surprising stuff in this film. We are also going to be joined, I believe, by Representative Dave, former uh, state representative Dave William, GOP chair Dave Williams, uh, current candidate for CD3, uh, five, five, CD5, CD5, uh, candidate Dave Williams. Um, that's all just one Dave Williams. He just has a whole bunch of, he's known for lots of things. And so we're going to be joined by him. Um, next week, I think we're going to, we're potentially going to have Ron Hanks on who, uh, is running for CD3, correct? Correct. Yeah. Yes. Right. And then maybe we'll, we can narrow down this, um, field of a million and a half cd4 candidates and uh, <laughs> i can 
I can interview for for my congressman. Um, I I have actually interviewed a lot of the CD4 candidates on Twitter Spaces in um, AssembleX Colorado. So if you're on Twitter and you're not following AssembleX Colorado or AssembleX broadly, that's a really uh, you know a great a great new space where we're having local Colorado um, based political discussions. You're not being censored. Nobody's going to tell us we can't say groomer here. <laughs> we'll get unlike, we'll get to that unlike, video in a minute. Unlike the state house, <laughs> yeah, no, we will we will get there. Um, so let's why don't we go ahead with the first clip? This so this film again is the war on children. Um, Robbie Starbuck and and his wife Landon are Hollywood refugees and documentary filmmakers, and they've put this together. This is um, you know the the Daily Wire's uh, what is a woman had kind of a, almost like a campy vibe to it. There was a lot of, you know, good content in there, good interviews, um, you know, some substance, but this is, I think much more of a fact, you know, kind of fact-based documentary. They show a lot of scientific studies. They um, are interviewed with firsthand people uh, involved in this, whether it is um, a mother whose daughter committed suicide uh, after, after going through, you know, the, the process of, of transition and, and detransition, whether it is, um, adult film star industry, uh, both refugees and advocates, um, female sports, uh, all, all of, all of the, you know, kind of angles of this, um, war on children come into focus in this film. Very, very well done. I highly encourage everybody to, uh, to check it out. And I'm going to put the link to the film website it's streaming right now on x so everybody can check it out there but i'm also going to uh throw this up on the screen here for everyone as well that's where you can uh, go and check it out so we're going to play this first cut um it it features uh representative brianna titone uh who declined to participate in the film but kind of ends up in it anyway and sets up the conversation. I think one of the things you and I were speaking with another representative earlier today and kind of talking about Marxist theory and how, yeah. what are the, what are the the core principles of, of, you know, of taking over a society and the language is a big part of that. We see that come right. to life in this clip. Surgeries. To find out, we tried to interview a lawmaker from Colorado, representative Brianna Titone, who identifies as transgender. In fact, Brianna is only the eighth trans state representative. Titone got a trans youth trafficking bill signed into law that makes Colorado a state where minors can go for sex change surgeries, hormones, and puberty blockers if their home state rightfully bans those abusive medical experiments. We were going to initially reach out to the first trans representative in American history, but they were unavailable seeing as how they were recently arrested for child pornography charges in an absolutely horrific story. But as the interview date grew closer with Brianna, Brianna canceled after researching me. I decided I had to give him a call. Hello? Hey, is this Brianna? Yes, who's this? Hey Brianna, this is Robbie Starbuck. I wanted to see if you had a second to talk. Oh, uh, no, no thanks, I'm not interested. I guess I'm just confused because your interviews, you said that you want to talk to people who disagree on this and, you know, we want to just have a respectful discussion with you to see if I'm missing something. I'm totally open to, you know, your... Uh, the, the, the kind of stuff that you say on a daily basis all the time, there's no, there's no reaching you. There's no point. And I'm going to end the call. Thanks well, for calling. Bye-bye. Do you think that little kids can consent to sex changes? Well, that's it. Brianna did not want to have a discussion, and that shouldn't be a surprise because everyone on this pro-child mutilation advocacy side, they avoid conversations at all costs because they know that they can't win the argument against people who are empowered with facts, the statistics, and the horror stories of what kids have been through who've gotten double mastectomies at ages like 13, okay? They don't want to speak to people like that. They want to speak to the people who are manipulatable. They want to speak to the people who are weaker. That's why they target children. They want to speak to people who are not resolute in their values because ultimately they know that's the only group 
that they can get on their side. That's why they run away from these conversations. So it shouldn't be a surprise to you that they're not interested in conversation. In fact, in the email before this, they said they didn't want to do the interview anymore because they don't want to go into the lion's den and stick their head in the mouth of a lion. You know, it's kind of a compliment because I do kind of feel like that's what parents need to be right now. Lions who protect our pride, protect our children. That's the pride that should be on all our minds. It's the one that we need to protect. An ongoing theme we noticed when we tried to learn more about the opinions and beliefs of people on the left who adhere to this ideology, we realized they don't want to talk. They declined interview after interview after interview. We were left with no other choice. We tried to call them. It's really sad that you feel that way. We actually represent a lot of, you know, detransitioners that also have a voice and, and should be heard. Do you not believe there's anything such as detransitioners? Have you heard of detransitioners that have had their genitals mutilated and are on... Oh, my God. ...have had surgeries and double mastectomies at 13 years old? And as you're asking these questions, this is precisely why we're declining this opportunity. Because we want to know if detransitioners can get help? What? I hope you find exactly what you're looking for. Why does this ideology not allow questions? Isn't that, you know, a sign of grooming when you can't ask a question? Is it? Is it that? a sign of grooming when you can't ask a question? And the, the the weaponization of language, we're going to get into how it's specific to Colorado here in a second. Obviously, they um, attempted to interview Representative Titone and, and she declined. And, you know, that's her her right. Um, but it raises there's something that she said in that phone call. You're you're beyond reach. I can't reach you. I'm not I'm not talking to you. I, I'm talking to people who, um, you know, are, are, are friendly. So not really, uh, you know, great, a great look for a representative. Well, no. I'm sure that, yeah, go ahead. I mean, who, who do you think he's representing? Who do you think any of the Democrats are representing? Well, it does come into the question we were talking about earlier today, you and I, about uh, why... Why are there so many bills targeting children right now? What's the lobby for that? Who's behind and sponsoring all of these bills focused on children? And I think that, you know, the answer that we came to is it's it's the polis agenda that is being driven through the legislature. We could see those fingerprints in a number of ways. But the the volume of mm -hmm. bills and the ability to have robust civic debate about these bills is hindered if one side isn't going to debate because they say that they can't. So it's, it's, I'm not going to talk to you because I don't think that I can reach you and change your mind. Well, also that don't implies I don't need to exactly. They don't, they don't need to, especially in Colorado. They don't need to change anybody's mind. That is uh, that, that legislature. And, and I'm sure, uh, you know Scott Bottoms, and you you played his clip earlier, and then Ken DeGraff, his his partner down here in El Paso County, would tell you that it is a it is basically a the legislature, in particular the House in Colorado, is just a silo of Marxism. Yep. I they they seem to merely tolerate the nineteen Republicans in that body, and even even then. They only really have to tolerate maybe eight of them, nine of them. Yeah. The others are just kind of, you know, won't engage. But it really is just a, a, a silo of their own thought. Uh, it's an echo chamber. What they'll, they'll posit something and it'll get passed. Uh, last session, they had a different theme. It was a lot of gun bills. I you got a lot of gun bills in this one too. But suddenly it would appear that in this particular iteration of the house it's going after children and families regina english isn't a republican is she no that's and i was i remarked about that you know just before we went live right that it's interesting that that regina english who's a democrat house district 17 in colorado springs is a prime sponsor on this bill which seems antithetical to uh the democrat agenda so i don't know if that is uh she got she got a permission from the democrat caucus in the house to go ahead and put her name on there because she's well they're all running for re-election right it's two-year terms in the house, but right? um it, because 
because she's in a in a uh, a mostly Republican uh, county and and city to seem somewhat rational or moderate, a blue dog and then demographic. She can say I tried. I tried. Yeah. Yeah. Did she? Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll 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 move on from that. But I think it is yeah. um Im- important that the bill itself was bipartisan, mm-hmm. and the the idea that we should protect children from pedophiles, and that's what this is about, is pedophiles. It is people that prey on children. This is after due process. We're talking about minimum sentencing. So we're talking about after due process for people who have been convicted through due process for committing crimes against children, for prostituting children, for buying and and selling children, minimum sentences, that should not be a partisan issue. You'd, You'd think it would just be sort of a, you know, decent human issue. Right. So I want to ask you, how do you think we can have um, robust political debate, robust civic debate about the society that we want to live in if, for example, we're not even allowed to use basic words? So a letter that I received from a doctor of the, the, the head of the chapter of Colorado chapter, leader of uh, Gays Against Groomers, and a member of the LGBT. All right, come on. Sir, Repres- the, uh, the title Rep- of Representative DeGraff, we are not going to use the word groomer or grooming in this debate. It is pejorative. It is speaking to personalities in violation of Rule 23D. Please find ways to express yourself without using pejorative words and transgressing the rules. Please continue. The name of their organization is what I read. They have a First Amendment right to name their organization whatever they want. Okay. All right. I'm sorry, Representative. We're going to have a brief recess. All right. So we had a brief recess. Rule 23D is what was cited. It's the, the rule of decorum. And D says, when speaking or debating before the House, a member shall confine his or her remarks to the question under discussion or debate, avoiding personalities. Now, the question under discussion or debate is the grooming of children, and we're not allowed to say the word groomer or grooming. Because it's a pejorative. That speaks to personalities. I I guess. Ostensibly the personalities of groomers, no? I I suppose so, but I mean... If a if he's referring to an organization that that gave itself a name, how do you not refer to that organization without stating the name or misrepresenting the organization? It's just it's it's an impossible situation. You can't say the name of that organization, but it's an organization that's relevant to the conversation. So it goes back to the original question that you asked. How can we have meaningful discourse about a topic that we disagree on? If we can't use the uh, the lexicon that is that is existent, and this this you know I, I hate to you know turn Orwell into a cliche, but it's very appropriate. This is this is newspeak, isn't it? We're rebranding our our entire uh, our vocabulary, and if you take words out of a vocabulary then eventually generationally, and this is really what this all is. It's just incremental generation by generation, reshaping fundamentally changing the United America. Um, Then future generations can't even conjure the thought or the idea of that thing. Right. Wasn't there a president who on the campaign trail said, we're just a few fundamentally change America. We're just a few weeks away from fundamental transformation of the United States of America. Boy, I keep wanting to say Osama, but it's not Osama. It was, uh, he had a diff, it was rhymed with that though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is there a berry in there? Um, All right. So it it is, uh, there's, so that was the chair in that video is Weissman. Um, Mm -hmm. It has been speculated that that exchange is the reason he deleted his Twitter account. (laughs) Um, I've heard that. 
So, you know, do with that what you will. But the the fact that we are talking about, so the legislature is supposed to be the place for debate, right? It's the place where we hash out the ideas. It's a place where we send our representatives in government to go represent our, our, our interests and argue for the societal norms, the changes to the laws, the, the, the type of community that we want to live in. But it is now a, a super duper majority of communists oh, yeah. in yeah. the legislature. And they will, they, they've, they've disallowed wor- the, the word groomer. You're not allowed to use the word groomer and it's because it's mean, right? Yeah. It's a pejorative it, it makes people that feel bad. Per- that is a pejorative that speaks to, to personalities. And that's, you know, that's violating the rule of decorum because God forbid that you hurt the child rapist's feelings. Yeah, and and that's a good point because now this they're they're making house rules right. They're they're the twenty three D the the every every legislative deliberative body has a set of rules uh, how they conduct themselves so that there's order usually mm-hmm. so it's not chaos. But if it's if they're going to rule on feelings and perceptions now it stifles debate and isn't that characteristic of how this legislation is being posited there there's very little uh academic or intellectual honesty or or genuineness about it it's all about feelings and again fundamentally changing fundamentally fundamental change because if you actually looked at this analytically academically and objectively all of this is just categorically wrong right and so this what we're seeing play out in the super duper communist majority majority legislature in colorado is also being taught to our children and and it is it is becoming the norms and so the next clip that i'm going to play from the film the war on children is uh again features colorado um and, and talks to the education system and social emotional learning because we're seeing what what they're teaching through social so in in this clip i want i want you guys the the audience to pay attention to two things one the arc of social emotional learning and where where it started what it, what was his intention and how, where we get to and then also the concept of restorative justice practices because we are going to show uh how this bill on the um the crimes against prostituted children that the communists in denver voted against uh we're going to show how that is a a perfect example of what's going on in this film this is a little bit of a longer clip so we'll be back in a few minutes learning's been the biggest weapon uh in this war on kids they spend millions pushing sel into schools which is supposed to in theory make children more socially aware and able to have more positive interpersonal uh, skill sets and, and connections yet we're seeing a lot more violence in classrooms what is where's the disconnect there what's why is this happening well, you said that they were supposed to be more socially aware and more connected. In that sense, this is true. They're socially aware of things like microaggressions, like reparations. So they're more socially aware. They're more socially aware that people can have infinite genders. They're more socially aware. Uh, they are more connected. They're more connected to men going to women's bathroom. They're more connected to them. We're seeing objective reality play out where there is more violence and and teachers' hands are behind their back to stop it because of these restorative justice practices. So when the restorative justice came in, it basically said, depending on your skin color, you can't be punished this way because it would be not culturally responsive. So now the child gets picked on to get bullied. They have to sit with the other child and understand why they acted out. The danger to that is that once it leaves public school, you see it now in a lot of cities like San Francisco where they don't even, they don't arrest anyone for like shoplifting. And we're seeing, you know, victims of horrific sex crimes have to sit face to face across from their abuser and negotiate, you know, what that restoration process looks like. All these virtues are being taught through either the lens of a critical race theorist or a transgender cult recruiter. And then when they get older, they don't follow laws because they've been taught in schools that what they do is not their fault. And it's the same reason when a child sees a man in their girl sees a man in the bathroom locker room they have to go through that struggle session uh, they have to get counseling to understand better be more socially connected be more socially aware and so that's the danger of social emotional learning 
to understand language contamination, understand to ask the question through whose lens is this being taught through. And if, if, I, if I tell you something and I tell you this is from a mass murderer, you're going to take that advice very differently than if I told you, oh, it's from a trusted mentor. At this point, you might be thinking that this sounds closer to communism than the school you remember going to. And while not all teachers are communists, consider this. In Colorado, the teachers union representing 40,000 teachers voted this year to disavow capitalism entirely. In a statement that read, The CEA believes that capitalism inherently exploits children, public schools, land, labor, and resources. Capitalism is in opposition to fully addressing systemic racism, the school-to-prison pipeline, climate change, patriarchy, gender and LGBTQ disparities, education inequality, and income inequality. In Oregon, a high school teacher at Churchill High School recently asked his students to write stories about their sexual fantasies. The California Teachers Association Conference had a presentation on how to introduce unlimited genders and transgenderism to toddlers, while yet another English teacher in Pennsylvania showed his students penises and videos of ejaculation, and another had kids in her class read a book we discussed with John Amachuwu called This Book is Gay. Stories like these seem to happen on such a regular basis the shock factor almost begins to fade away. And all of this is happening as Democrats and the Biden administration create hundreds of millions in funding for something called, quote, community schools. Those are schools that provide health care in addition to the regular curriculum. Like social emotional learning, that might sound nice at first glance, but it really means that your child can receive sexually oriented care or counseling that you aren't told about. And then we have teachers going on national TV to say that parents don't have rights once they send their kids to public school. But allowing movies such as this assist teachers in opening a door for conversations that have no place in our classrooms. That, that just shows me that she's ignorant and has not come and volunteered at all. Because our, these conversations, these doors, they're open. These students have one-to-one -one devices. The amount of things that they're able to pull up that we have to shut down, they, they, these conversations, these doors that she's talking about, that's telling me I'm stripping her rights as a parent, those rights are gone when your child's in the public school system. Activist. Wow. Um, yeah. So lots to unpack. Let's start with the social emotional learning. So in uh, down here in El Paso County, again, a mostly like 90% of the government here. Well, the entire government here is actually, they're all Republican, right? All of our County commissioners, everybody in public in uh, County office, Repu yeah, yeah, quote Republican. Um, and a lot of these school districts down here are conservative, right? So mm -hmm. this I, I witnessed and, and participated to greater and lesser degrees with some of these fights against CRT, critical race theory. Um, at least one, I think it was more than one school districts who were populated by uh, mostly Republicans on their school board. Um, outlawed, abolished, uh, forbade CRT in the classroom. So they marched in SEL, social emotional learning, which, and the, the largest uh, purveyor of social emotional learning is a, an outfit called Castle, C-A-S-E-L, S-E-L meaning social emotional learning. And it's, uh, I think it's the, uh, for the application of social emotional, I forget what it, what it all stands for, but that's, they, and they sell the curriculum to these schools. So a lot of these school boards is that they adopted social emotional learning and said, well, it's not CRT. But when they were confronted with the with the reality that SEL is just an uh, an undergirding for a vehicle to deliver CRT, they denied it. No, it's to teach kids how to deal with their emotions. SEL has a valid reason. Had, had you know, thirty years ago, it was uh, to help kids deal with being bullied, to control their emotions, to be calm, deal with stressful situations. And uh, becoming more, uh, should we say, emotionally mature? Mm. But now it's it's exactly as that clip said. It's uh, restorative justice. It's why does why does Billy feel the way he does? Oh, well, because he's been oppressed by white people. Again, yeah. this is all to uh, you know to break up society at the youngest levels, grade school, into oppressor and oppressed, which is exactly what CRT was. 
Yeah. So um, after I after I watched this, there, there's a, there's a lot about social media and the impact of, on kids and social media. And I uh, I asked one of my sons, you know, kind of questions about what he was seeing on his feed. And so I said, yeah. you know, and what about trans stuff? He's t- we're talking about Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, and what about you know trans trans focused content? He's like, oh yeah, that's just normal. And they talk in this film about the mere exposure effect yeah. and how you normalize something, mm-hmm. right? And how mm-hmm. you're able to, you know, in, in um, mass communication, it used to be called the rule of seven. You need to expose people to something seven times. That was, of course, when we had much better uh, attention spans because we didn't have 24-hour news and we didn't have supercomputers in our hands all the time. We weren't bombarded with as many messages but that that concept of continual exposure so that something becomes normal and your outrage yep. becomes less and less each time you see it it's already done on the kids oh, there yeah. are, it is already normalized now you, you know you could say and i'm sure that the the trans activists would say why is that a bad thing why is it a bad thing that our identity is now a normal part of society and we don't have to feel as othered and i think that that comes again down to the line of the kids it comes it down is. to transgender people have been a part of society forever, we're told, right? It's it's as old as time. Certainly in our society, I had my first um, transgender colleague in corporate America in like 2004. It's, it, this is not, you know, it's not wholly new. It's the, the um, bigotry aspect of it, right? The questioning this, particularly as it pertains to children resulting in allegations of bigotry, that's new. But would you not agree that transgenderism, these are outliers in what is what you would call normal behavior? I mean, human beings are, by and large, regardless what the the liberal left-leaning part of our society would argue, we are heteronormative. That's just Mm -hmm. genetics. That's just biology. But to then deny the reality of prevailing biological drives and say, no, this is totally normal. Well, that's shifting away from the heteronormative uh, uh, characteristic of a human being and normalizing what used to be abnormal, aberrant behavior. But this is, again, fundamentally changing America. Yeah. Completely Uh fundamentally changing America. And, uh, well, it's it's turning our society into something else. We will not be the country that we were 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago. We we're not going to be that anymore because we're well, going we to normalize are. we're going to normalize aberrant behavior at the youngest level. At the at the youngest level so that when they come of age, well this is the way it's always been. And they're turning the the outlier into the majority into the normal, right? Yeah. And so one person, one vote says, but wasn't it not as prevalent as it is now? They're trying to normalize their behavior. I would, I would say in my experience, it wasn't as prevalent as it is now. Um, you know, in, in 2004, I had one colleague that was trans in, in 20, uh, 2021, when I left corporate America, I had several, right? So it's more prevalent now, but I, but that, I mean, that's not even what I have a a problem with what I have a problem with is the marketing on children, the recruitment. He called it um, in, in that clip. The expert they were talking to called it the trans recruit, uh, you know, trans trans cult recruiter, and that the 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 targeting of children and trying to re- recruit children into a lifestyle and community that is ba- on its premise sexual. Right. It's it's focused mm-hmm. on a sexual identity, on it, you know, the expression of sexual identity through gender identity. And, you know, come at me, bro. I've done the gender bread. I understand all the different layers of 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 what they're um, arguing. But that even that the gender bread, the gender unicorn, all that kind of stuff is targeted to children. Those are concepts yeah. that are focused on children and trying to re- recruit children at times when either very small toddler age, right? And and they're, I mean, they target children from all of the ages of children, but targeting children at the small age, toddler, uh, infant, infant to toddler is the greatest developmental time in, in a child's, uh, in childhood. The second is puberty. 
The second is when kids are 10, 11, 12, 13, and they're starting to go through. And we see a very intense focus on those two age groups in this movement. Why? Because it's a recruitment tool. Yes. It's meant to bring, it's meant to grow the movement by co-opting other people's children and bringing them into the movement. It's inherently sinister. They're, they're, it's no longer the outlier. How, ma- how many, how many human beings do you think are transgender? There's just no arguing it that they, that's yeah. just how they're going to be vice now where it's something like 30% of the kids in school are identifying as somewhere on the LGBT, uh, uh, spectrum. I, that's not normal. That's by suggestion that is pushing them into it. And you can see that it's true because how many are detransitioning? No, that really wasn't me. I, the, the, the stories of, yeah, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a Tyrannosaurus. I, yeah, but you're not really that. Are you? you that's, not, tiny, that's not tiny. Yeah. Hands you get, so, so take them to right. the doctor and have your have your, uh, have your humorous bone removed or whatever. Yeah. Right. Um, this isn't normal. And also we're moving away as a society and as a government from the notion of an absolute right and absolute wrong, absolute good and absolute bad and evil. Yeah. These should be universal concepts, but we're blurring the lines and making it more acceptable to do those things, which would normally have been considered criminal or at a minimum antisocial behavior. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm sure you are too, that, that my kids are older. I mean, yeah. your kids are, you're, you're older than dirt. So you're older <laughs> than mine, but, uh, but that, you know, it's I, like, I don't have to worry about them being in the very, you know, very vulnerable in the small, my kids can advocate for themselves. They understand, you know, if anybody comes at them with any sort of medication or any of those kinds of things. Um, but you know, kids are, kids are super vulnerable by definition. And we were, we used to have a societal mandate to protect them. And now it seems that we are, um, siding as, and not, you know, not we, you and I, but we, the people the, the the authoritative uh entity in our state that defines the law uh seem to be siding more with predators so talk a little bit about um restorative justice and then i want to play arm the clip from representative armagost well so restorative justice kind of flips the uh the dynamic and the relationship of 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 offender and victim and turns the offender, the predator into the victim. This person has behaved the way he or she has because of a condition of society and the world in which he or she lives. And it's meant to try to uh, correct those wrongs and make, it used to mean to make the victim whole, right? To restore yeah. justice to the victim. But now we're, we're seeing it shift and it's more, targeted to, well, this person did this bad thing that really wasn't bad. He couldn't help it. Uh, They're they're looting the store because they've been denied uh, economic prosperity. And it's always now, restorative justice is always along the lines of, you guessed it, race. Always. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, and, well, not just race. Uh, Apparently, the predators are victims too. And so they can't be held accountable because hurt people hurt people or something. Check this clip out. Today's bill is great in the fact that it brought to light the issue that we have in Colorado where uh, pedophiles are not given a harsh enough punishment. They, they are given discretionary sentencing uh, and often walk away with probation because there's just a light sentencing for the crime of prostituting kids and exploiting kids sexually. This bill was to take away that discretionary sentencing and provide that minimum sentencing. Uh, walking in there, I was cautious, cautiously optimistic. Unfortunately, with line of questioning, it was very clear right away that the supermajority of Democrats were absolutely opposed to minimum sentencing as it pertained to pedophiles, and they perpetuated pedophiles as the victims in this case rather than the kids. So they held pedophiles over the kids that we are trying to protect uh, in this legislature. Unfortunately, the bill failed party line, and I didn't even expect that. Uh, it's disheartening, but it's a double standard in this this building that the the victims become the perpetrators. 
in this case, the pedophiles. We are putting pedophiles above kids as victims. And as a legislator, I'm ashamed to be aligned with that. I'm not aligned with that, but unfortunately, I have to, I have to articulate that on a regular basis. Uh, the, the sad part is the committee that we were on was dead set b before we even got in there on not allowing any form of minimum sentencing to go forward. And this minimum sentencing, if any minimum sentencing is going to go forward, the pedophiles that this bill was out to uh, target were, in the end, protected by the supermajority. So the fact that we went in there and fought that, uh, with all the testimony that came forward, some of it was very, very emotional. Uh, there were a lot of people that didn't have dry eyes in the room. So it was a... Uh, it was unfortunate just to see when the line of questioning and everything that came forward that the supermajority put pedophiles as the victims rather than the children as the victims and Colorado lost on that level because now our kids are still going to be victimized and the supermajority is going to bring the pedophiles as the victims. That's, I mean, that's restorative justice, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, see, it's it's targeted to making the offender whole yep. to, you know, because I mean, you put it rather correctly, hurt people, hurt people. So we have to make them better. And you, the victim, you're just you're unfortunate. Or how far are we now, especially with pedophilia to to the, uh, the this this idea that, well, that toddler had it coming. I mean, it's or just wanted uh, it. They yeah, already say that. They're already saying that children are. I knew that my child was trans in the womb. Oh, have yeah, you ever? There's a part yeah. in this video that where a woman says, um, some doctor, eugenicist, uh -huh. says, uh, haven't you ever seen a little boy, a little baby boy play with his penis? Obviously, he's sexual. Well, These are I, sick I, people that are trying to remove every single aspect of consent. We have to move on from this topic. I'll give you the last word on it. So, and I believe that doctor you're talking about is the one who posited the notion early on, uh, many, many years ago, uh, 50, 60 years ago, that uh, humans are sexual beings at birth, mm -hmm. that they're, we are sexualized from, you know, in the womb to a moment of delivery if our society now allows children to actually be delivered. Um, yeah. So, yeah, twisted. Yeah. It is twisted. It's super twisted. All right, everybody, one more time. The the film is The War on Children, war, thewaronchildren.com. Um, it's streaming on X right now, and uh, it's it's a little over two hours. I think it's like two hours and 19 minutes. It is well worth the watch. I, I hope everybody checks it out. Colorado features prominently in the film. We are ground zero. We are the, the fraud kitchen uh, and the communism test kitchen for the nation. And we're seeing And we are not that. proud of that. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the people under the dome are proud of it. It sure seems. Yeah. Um, we have our guest now, and uh, we'll be bringing him on in just a second. I'm going to hit our incredible sponsors of the show, and we will be right back. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, and I'm here to tell you about my new product from MyPillow, towels that actually work. Watch this absorbency test. Here's another towel that we randomly went out and bought. Here's one of my towels with a nice design. I don't know if you can see this, but you could line a swimming pool with this. I mean, this is crazy. Get rid of it. Towels that actually work. What a concept. I'm interrupting this commercial to let you know you can get our six-piece My Towels, regular $69.98, now only $29.98. Or you can save 25% on our brand new kitchen towels made with the same technology as our famous My Towels. Also, we have bath sheets, bath towels, washcloths, hand towels, and so much more. And the best part, with your promo code, your entire order ships absolutely free. So go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use that promo code to get deep discounts on all my towels. And for a limited time, your order ships absolutely free. It's going to be a good day. Shipping beef this Monday. We do have a little bit left available here. 
Check us out, familyfarmbeefbox.com. Thanks. Have a good day. Knowing how to invest your money is harder than ever before. Dealing with stock market volatility, record debt, and terrorist attacks requires new thinking. At U.S. Asset Management, we can help you see the world more clearly so that you can move beyond the chaos and invest with confidence. Call us, visit us online, or drop by our office. U.S. Asset Management, helping you make better decisions with your money. Thank you to our incredible sponsors of the show. And we are back. We are joined by Colorado GOP chairman, former state representative, current candidate for CD5, Dave Williams. How are you doing today, Dave? Hi, I'm doing good. i uh happy to be here. Yeah, I'm, str I'm struggling with what to call you today, apparently. <laughs> call me <laughs> Dave. <laughs> Let's talk. Uh, well, first of all, I don't know how much of the the show before you saw. I, I mean, I'm sure that you're well tuned into the bills that are happening in uh, in Denver um, as the GOP chair. Any thoughts on the war on children? Yeah, I. I mean, it's hard to articulate exactly what needs to be said because it's, it should be painfully obvious that the Democrats shouldn't be going down this road. Um, I get contacted by state legislators uh, pretty frequently throughout the week. Randy Bradley being one of them, uh, you know, she was very, very understandably upset that they would kill her bill to increase penalties on uh, child predators. But the Democrats didn't want to have any part of it. Uh, there's a pattern of behavior coming from the Democrats. And if, if we don't do something quick, uh, they're going to continue to not only endanger our children, but they're going to openly allow criminals the ability uh, or give them the tools or the means to to further inflict harm against our communities. How much of this did you see specifically to uh, to you know the the child pred predation, uh, transgender, this sort of thing involving kids while you were in the state house, or is this kind of a, a new a new turn? For the legislature, it it's uh, it's certainly increased uh, to a higher level. Um, there, well, I'll say this: last year, the Democrats uh, needed the help. Some, at least the the moderate Democrats, needed the help of Republicans to actually increase uh, penalties on on certain uh, uh, felons or folks, criminals, if you will, that were trying to to pleasure themselves in front of a child. Most of the Democrats voted no on that. Um, so it, it's certainly ramped up since I left. Uh, you know, you did have some sensible folks that understood that, hey, these are children. We should we should be protecting them. But this is a whole new level that I don't think anyone's ever seen before. And uh, I look forward to making the case, along with all the other nominees of our party, uh, as to why Democrats should be should be fired. Uh, there's no other there's no other way to put it. Over the you you left the house. What in in 22 was your last Right, twenty-two yeah. was my yeah. last yeah. my last session. Right, would you say it's become more radical in even the two almost not even quite two years since you left? It certainly has. I I started in sixteen when Donald Trump got elected, so my first term was two thousand seventeen January. We had twenty-eight Republicans then, and then of course, unfortunately, we we lost more seats, got to twenty-four, and then we got to nineteen, and all throughout those years. Uh, you've seen a steady decline in sanity from the Democrats, and you've mm -hmm. seen an uptick in the radical leftist uh, agenda that they've been pushing. But it's also madness that they've been pushing. There used to be old school liberals who wouldn't go down this road. Think of people like Bill Maher. Um, they used to occupy positions of power in the Colorado Democrat Party. Yeah. Not anymore. They're they're insane leftists who are just avowed communists. So we got a we got a problem on our hands. So we see that one of the things that for me is the most maddening about tuning in to what happens in the Colorado legislature is the stifling of debate in what should be the, mo the, 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 the forum where we have the most robust debate about what laws the American people, the people of Colorado are going to be subject to. We're not allowed to have debate. I want to get your opinion on that. So Ken DeGraff, as you know, was gaveled down from saying gays against groomers, from using the word groomer or grooming because of the rule of decorum 23 D 
that uh, using the term grooming or groomer was a pejorative that speaks to personalities. What? (laughs) There's so much to read into that um, occurrence. But what I've noticed just as an outside observer is an absolute weaponization of decorum, weaponization of the rules, weaponization of empathy. There's only 19 Republicans. How much damage can it really do to allow them to speak? Apparently a lot because they don't allow them to speak. No, they don't. In fact, when I got elected there, again, it's changed very recently. When I got elected, we were taught about the fundamentals of deliberation, that there is something known as the majority gets its way, but the minority gets its say, right? And that's that's makes sense, right? You're not, we're in the minority, so we're not always going to win on these policy issues, but we have a right to represent our constituents and our districts. And that was something that was understood and ingrained in all the legislators when they, when they came in and took over. And it was a good thing to always remember. And the Democrats, when I was around to their credit, they, they understood that. I mean, they were, they were touchy and they were, they could be triggered, but by and large, they would allow uh, people like me and my colleagues to say what we needed to say. The, what's happening right now is a misreading and a misapplication of that rule uh, that unfortunately DeGraff is is having to deal with. Um, avoiding personalities. For, first off, <laughs> first off, the decorum that rule should only be applying to uh, colleagues within the chamber, not right. outside organizations, not outside groups, and but certainly not concepts within the law being debated. <laughs> right. Right. But the, the the whole purpose of that is for someone like me not to go up uh, to the well and say this Democrat right there is a no good SOB. Right. That That's yeah. the point of that. rule, mm-hmm. Not to say uh, the, the word the words gays against groomers or Planned Parenthood or yeah. I mean, any any left wing group that we're invoking now in the chamber, they're getting gaveled down saying that's violating that rule. And that's, that's a total abuse of the rule. It's not meant for that. Also, the thing that I think is lost on the minds of these Democrats is that the chamber itself, the floor is not supposed to be a safe space. This is where, these are where competing ideas are to actually conflict. You're supposed to have the debate. You're going to encounter folks that you don't like. You don't like what they have to say. Uh, ideas that may be foreign or even dangerous to your to your psyche are, are going to come up. And that's what's needed in order for us to actually decide what policy we're going to pursue or what we should be doing. That has been totally lost on the Democrats. And that's why we need to kick them out of office because they they can't even manage to um, respect the basic tenets of our of our uh, republic, which is the free expression of ideas and the debate of, of those ideas. Yeah, absolutely agree. So let's talk about uh, CD5. Talk about the race. What um, What's your strategy? Who? How do you view your competition? And uh, are we going to see Congressman Dave Williams? Well, that's the goal. Uh, so two, two years ago, I ran, came up short. However, the district was ripe for a change then. 53% of the district wanted to fire Doug Lamborn. And for good reason, because he really wasn't doing anything like like most uh, congressmen, especially within the Republican Party uh, in Washington, they they talk a good game, they pay lip service, but then they don't actually do anything uh, to back it up. They don't take meaningful action. Uh, mm-hmm. So again, 53% wanted to fire him. The only trouble we ran into is we had a four-way race where there were two other candidates who kind of split the uh, the vote. Um, and that's our system, by the way. We don't have a runoff system. We have a plurality system. So it's who have, most votes win. Now that he's retired, we already have a built-in uh, base of support that we are very confident they're going to stick with us. And so our goal and our task is to simply expand upon that and make the case to the voters that uh, our campaign is the most conservative one, but not only the most conservative one, but the one that's going to fight for them in Washington, who's not going to be afraid of uh, making the case to voters day in and day out that, hey, it's it's both Republicans and Democrats that are screwing you over. If we're going to succeed, then we actually need to be uh, doing things that reverse the trend, right? We need to stop giving into the swamp. We need to make sure that we're not indebting our children or their children or their children uh, with uh, $34 trillion in debt. By the way, it could be more. I mean, we really don't, really don't know uh, because the government isn't really good at auditing themselves or letting you know truly you know, how much money they've wasted. 
Uh, but point being is that if we're going to be successful and turn things around, we need more Patriots that are going to go to Washington and not, not give into it, but rather resist it and return power back to the States. And who's an example of that for you? So I think Coloradans should be very excited that the Buck and Lamborn era is coming to an end, right? Both those guys are done and we're going to have new, new folks in those seats. I think that's good for Colorado, but it's, hard for me to look at DC, whether it's Colorado legislators or legislators really from any state, what is, who's kind of your, your model? Who do you think is doing a good job in the house of representatives that you would, you know, kind of align your approach with? I mean, it's a great question. I get asked that often. I think there's a lot of different house uh, Republicans that sort of bring different aspects to the table that that we need i mean so top of mind would be jim jordan i mean this is a guy who does make a lot of noise um and you know he gets he gets uh, criticized sometimes for not being able to move the needle but i gotta tell you just being in the position that i've been in it's hard it's hard trying to unwind what's been done and so sometimes all you can do is expose and and bring light to what's going on but i think jim jordan is a great example of uh, someone that we could emulate. Uh, there are other folks uh, who are part of the Freedom Caucus. There's Andy Biggs in Arizona, who's another example of a individual that doesn't take any crap from the establishment and will stand his ground. Um, there are folks that will stand up to even Republicans uh, when the time calls for it. Uh, you know, there was a lot of controversy with respect to getting rid of uh, Speaker McCarthy. And, and even before then, even electing him, you had 20 Republicans that I think were really, really getting upset with what was going on. And you had f- people like Matt Gates. I'm a big fan of Matt Gates. Um, I think, you know, his style of confrontation is kind of what's needed in the moment right now. Maybe 20 years ago, 25 years ago, if we had more of that, we could have avoided some of the issues that we're seeing now. Uh, but there are there are a lot of those things that we need to see coming from safe Republican uh, seats if we're going to reverse the brokenness of Washington. Absolutely. Impeach right. Mayorkas, yes or no? Yeah, good question. <laughs> yeah, Mayorkas should have been impeached a long time ago, and they should have succeeded the first time. <laughs> uh, I'm glad they got it right the second time, but it should never have been by like this one vote margin. And that, again, that's that's yeah. a problem. I think that's. Uh, that speaks to what's wrong with the house Republicans is that you do have a number of folks that are thinking not about um, the people they're supposed to be serving, but they're thinking about their own political careers or they're thinking about, I don't know, they're trying to calculate how to be uh, somehow uh, down the road to increase their political capital or something to that effect. I don't know. These people don't think normally and that's why we need to get them out because if they've been there too long, chances are, uh, they're not. Uh, they're not thinking the way that they should. They're thinking like the Beltway would. They're not thinking yeah. like yeah. Main Street. Yeah, absolutely agree. Well, thank you so much for coming on. We'll definitely have you back as we go through this uh, upside down clown world election year. And um, I'm I'm excited to see uh, Congressman Dave Williams. I think that would be great. And uh, I'm excited to see America first representation in the Congress. So everything that we can do, uh, last word to CD five voters and Colorado voters more broadly, Dave, you bet. If you want a Donald Trump, uh, pro Trump candidate, then elect me to Congress. Visit my website at daveforcolorado.com. That's daveforcolorado.com. I'm the only true pro Trump candidate that's going to get on the ballot and win this thing. Um, or you can, you can go with a Nikki Haley supporting AFP open border candidate, uh, who's running against me. I think the choice is very simple. So uh, help us out, help us get to Washington and I'll be able to vote for you each and every day. I'm in Congress. Awesome. Thanks so much, Dave. See you. You bet. Take All right. We are out of time, uh, right up to the wire. And uh, so, uh, so much thanks to Robbie and Landon Starbuck for the incredible film that they put together. Everybody needs to watch it. The war on um, Check out Dave for Colorado especially if you're in CD5. And as um, Representative Scott Bottoms said at the top in the video cut at the top of the show, sign up to testify. Speak to your legislators. Even if in your, you're in one of these deep blue districts, you know, they get 
They get elected by party, but they're still supposed to represent all of their constituents when they get there. Make your voice heard. Absolutely use your voice at the most local levels and certainly in the state house as well. Any last words before we get out of here? No, I, I, I think we killed it to death. <laughs> Fair. All right, everybody. Yeah. Last plea, please smash the thumb wherever you're watching, especially if you're watching on rumble, the thumb is the number one metric that rumble looks at to determine, uh, you know, what shows are, are how, how shows are performing. And so that is all on you guys. So please hit the thumbs up button on rumble and everywhere that you're watching. Tune in next week. Uh, we'll have another guest. We'll have probably a whole lot more communist bills, to break down and um, we'll see you guys. We'll see you then. Take care, everyone. <laughs>